Two movies enter, one movie leaves as we watch two Shadow of a Doubts. The first one, a Brian Dennehy directed and starring vehicle made for TV in 1995. The second, an Alfred Hitchcock film starring Joseph Cotton. Today's Hitchcock. Welcome to the Deck Me Only One podcast where we watch two movies with the same title, determine which t- which one of these movies gets to keep that title, and the other one does not get to keep that title. You will become titleless unless you actually enjoy the title we come up with, even though it's never any good. My name is Robert Rowe, and joining me today is... Herman Omega Prime Davis. This was a uh, pick out of the vault of things that I was hoping there was another version of. And having to scour to make sure that it exists out there because mm-hmm. because the Albert Hitchcock film is one of my favorite films out there, even though Herman has already declared it after watching it. A boring snooze fest. Yes. I right am. up there with every criterion film he has ever seen. So mm-hmm. so it breaks my heart once again that I tried to introduce something to Herman and he shoes it away like so many other DC films that aren't marked Suicide Squad. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but I just I, all right. I, I so just, before we get into that one, uh, there were several other choices that could have been made for Shadow of a Doubt because it is a very common uh, movie title. But they went on different ones like Shadow of Doubt or even a remake that they did for TV in 1991. But one definitely stood out among the the rest, and it was a Brian Dennehy adapted for TV, directed and starring vehicle. That also features uh, a fru- was it Fruza Balk? Yes. Uh, well, I already for- uh, forgot Bonnie her name. De- bon- Bonnie Bedelia, De- best yeah. known from her work at Die Hard. And if you looked at uh, the YouTube thing, some people believe this was even before Die Hard because that that perm made it her look older. Maybe no, it actually made it look younger. Well, she has she has straight hair in this. She didn't yeah. she didn't bother to oh, tease it up. Yeah, the perm and die hard. Yeah, yeah. did make it look older. Yeah. <laughs> so they got the the dates confused. It also has a uh, hodgepodge of other relatively famous faces when you look at this. Yeah, if you're watching that movie, watching this movie, you're gonna be like, "Hey, I know that guy. I know that guy." You know, it's, it's a lot of that going on. Yes. Although Herman was just looking at his phone the whole time, like, "Hey, I know that guy. Look, he got ten likes on his last post. <laughs> yeah. He's so awesome. Oh, that's me." Ah! That's basically what he was doing the whole time. Yeah, all the time. Uh, now I, I'm I'm just gonna say there's no preview of this movie out there. It probably doesn't exist, especially if it's a TV movie from '95. But uh, what what is odd about this film is you could definitely tell that this was something being angled to more than just a TV movie because it was from a series of books that was written by the same guy named William Coughlin. It was just adapted for a TV movie, and Brian Dennehy played a guy named Charlie Sloan. He is a um, a lawyer that has fallen on some hard times in that he has become an alcoholic, and he's a recovering alcoholic. He is working for a firm that, through the good graces of them, have decided to go ahead and keep him. It might have been like a contract situation where he's stuck on there, mm-hmm. and they're like, I guess we got to keep you here, then, then so be it. Uh, but his name... And uh, that might have been the other reason why they decided him, because he has got, he's got a name that is on the tip of everybody's tongue. 
but it definitely attracts the attention of Bonnie Bedelia's character, who is now the most recently widowed uh, lady of this of this guy who you immediately know from the first conversation they were not like high school sweethearts. She is uh, the widow. Uh, uh, he is like the thir- this is his third marriage. Yeah, they'd only been together for like ten or eleven years. Uh, it, it, it ain't looking great between them, but he's dead, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I almost forgot the opening scene where it involves a uh, like them being in a Oriental uh, throne room of some sort, and then you see the death happen. Like it's it's rarely brought up. Like that angle isn't brought up other than for people to think maybe he he committed seppuku. Like that was it, or Harry Carey, as they mentioned in in the movie. Is Harry Carey a bad term? Because somebody. Uh, what do you mean by bad turn? Like, I don't know. I know that's the. You correct- think it's like a jinx for other baseball teams if they accidentally bring it up? They'll have the same drought that the Cubs had because they had Harry Carey as. Yeah, the- I guess so. You know, I just heard somebody mention it. Like, no, you're not supposed to say that. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Who said that? I, I don't know. Who this- told you that? Bafo information that you're I, not supposed I, to say something like that. I meet a lot of people every day, so uh, I, yes. it's hard to keep tracks of what people tell me sometimes. Right, Herman. I, I, Herman yeah, and his uh, uh, he just talks to people who just give him this off the cuff advice. Yes, and he must have said Harry Carey. They're like, oh, how dare you! Mm-hmm. And then they did like ten uh, hail marys right in front of him, and he's like, oh, what? What are you doing there? And he said, look, you're not supposed to say that word. <laughs> you say that word. Then the gods will come down and prevent anybody from Baton Rouge, any sporting team. Mm-hmm. We're talking football, ladies football, uh, mixed yeah, league football. football. Yeah, uh, any of those will not be able to win a championship because mm-hmm. you said Harry Carey, and you said I don't even go to LSU. He said you're close <laughs> enough. It's by proximity, man. And you're like, all right, fine, so be it. It's not a. It, it's not like. Do you think it's by by like a slur? Like it's just an yeah, old timey slur. You that, know what? Maybe it, I don't know, man. It's, it, it gets to the point that I don't know what's a bad. I'm 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 officially that old guy who don't know. You're not supposed to say that word no more. Did you think this was a new term or something that? I, I'm just, or do you think this is like one of those words that you're just not supposed to say because it's demeaning towards somebody? Yeah. And, uh, that, and you're just trying to cover your bases here. Yeah, basically, because I'm getting to that point where I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll admit, you do not spell Harry Carey like you would spell the announcer for the Cubs. But other than that, I don't think there's anything bad about it. I think okay. it's H-A-R-I, right? Yeah, that's how I spell H-A-R-I-K-A-R-I. It, well, it's actually just another way of saying seppuku. Okay. That's all it is. But uh, they called it Harry Carey. Uh, or Harry Kiri is how it's uh, sometimes referred to. It is a form of Japanese ritual suicide by disembowelment. Uh, but seppuku is the other way of saying it. That 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 was just the way they did not say it in the movie. Uh, they find this guy dead. Uh, they find his daughter. Uh, it sounded like even though he's been through all these marriages, the only daughter to uh, his uh, wealth and fortune and so on and so forth, covered in blood, hiding up in in a closet up above everything. Plus, they have like a signed confession. It looks like this is bad for her. Like everything yeah, about not it. Not just a signed confession, a video. Right. Well, yeah, not just that, but it's Feruza Balk, and I'm like, geez, we just saw you in the craft. You are nutsoid. And like, I get it. Fine, lock me away. Uh, she's got bleach blonde hair, short. Uh, the way I described uh, uh, her look to Herman was 
Very Grindelwald. If you have seen the new Crimes of Grindelwald, Fantastic Beasts 2, it is the character that Johnny Depp is playing. It is, uh, and she has very crazy eyes in this as well. So you can see the inspiration was was like Johnny Depp watched this Shadow of a Doubt. He's like, I want that look. And they're like, <laughs> why? He's like, I don't know. I just want it. And they're like, okay, fine. So Brian Dennehy takes the case uh, because uh, she, he is old friends with Bonnie Bedelia's character. Like he knew her whenever they were both in high school. Pfft, yeah, right. All right. For starters, Brian Dennehy's got at least 20 years on her. Okay. <laughs> I know this whole thing like, hey, I remember you when I was trying to chase you younger sort of thing. I'm like, whatever. I, I think college. Let's go with college. Maybe they was in the same college at the same time. Yeah. But it's Brian Dennehy, so he gets away with it. Yeah. What's funny is there's a, a moment where uh, Feruza, uh like hugs him for getting a lesser, uh, like for at least getting her out on bond, and and you you usually don't hug your lawyer, but then you're like, well, it's Brian Dennehy. He's so huggable. Look at him. Like he's just a big old bear. That's basically, yeah. you, 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 it's what Chris Farley would have looked like when he got older. Of course, because they were both in Tommy Boy. But come on, that's exactly like that was his dad. There's a reason why he played his dad, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, and still, still alive. I can't still alive. So I've been, I've been trying to. I can't say nothing bad. I can't say nothing really good about Brian Dennehy. But well, he gave 110. percent This is one of those times when you're not sure when you get a lead performance in a TV movie where you feel like this might be beneath him, sort mm-hmm. of thing. But you could tell he was trying to angle this into a TV series of some kind, you know, trying to get his name out there, you know, just uh, and and they were, they were dropping it at every point. It's like Charlie Stone working with you again, huh? Just like old times, Charlie Sloan, excuse yeah. me, Charlie Sloan. Oh, you're back in the business, huh? Off the wagon or on the wagon this time, and we're gonna get down and make sure we save this little lady, sort of thing. And there's even like old clients that come by whenever they they find out he's back on in in. Uh, uh, yeah, like uh, being a good lawyer or whatever. Yeah, this character, Little Mike, n- no need for this movie. He's He have no need for this it's movie. It's a little bit of a padding at this point. Yeah. You could tell that they were trying to hit that hour and a half mark, though. But, yeah, he came in with, like, all sorts of security, like levels of security that you would expect, like, somebody really bad to have. Mm-hmm. Where you not only have somebody outside the door patting you down, but there are two other guys inside just in case the, uh, the first two people forgot to pat him down. Just to, you know, like, hey, you know, he's there sort of thing. But anyway, so he's he's brought on board uh, to to find out who the real killer is. This is not a whodunit. Without a, <laughs> the, we'll, we'll, we'll stop this right now. Uh, they do have the very uh, very private investigator sort of angle on this. Well, they, t- they pull a Matlock. Matlock, you, you ever watched Matlock, the series? I am familiar with it, as most people are. Well, Matlock... Don't he, have to, like, explain this. He had this his thing. own personal... PI on 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 his on his on his payroll. Yeah. So whenever he took a case, he put his own private investigator on the case also, which was what Charlie Sloan also did. He had a, a ex cop who he uh, got out of some trouble back then that uh, that was basically his PI, played by Joe Grafasi from Brewster's Millions, yes. uh, who will also have a tie in the next movie, as well as uh, the befuddled. Uh, Guy that Frank Drebin interviews in the first uh, uh, police squad movie that they had. The uh, 
Naked Gun. Series. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, he's in it. Like, it's one of those faces. Like, you just see him. You're like, oh, he's like, you can tell he's like one of those guys they hire as a character actor kind of person. Okay. okay. Uh, so, so there's they're basically trying to find out about her because she's not giving up a lot of information, especially the fact that she uh, is about to be committed to a mental hospital sort of thing. And so they're digging more and more into her background. You start finding out more information. It really doesn't tell you too much about any other motives other than uh, the two women that are involved, Faruza Balk and Bonnie Bedelia. They're the only two people that actually have a motive in this. So it's determining if one or the other or if both somehow got involved in this killing. And the final answer is, eh, pretty much both. Yeah. <laughs> the, it was one of those things where one of them might not have uh pulled the trigger in this case even though it was a, a knife it, you know you know what i mean yeah if there was a trigger pulling for a knife the other one clearly was uh rooting them on in the background uh that you you find a a will that was not signed who drafts a will and then not sign it what were you waiting on that's that's total like think, tv plot right there i think they try to the the gap it up by saying that he wasn't divorced from her yet mm-hmm. he was waiting for the divorce to sign the will that way because it doesn't make it doesn't matter if he uh signed the will and they still marry no uh-huh. when they get when he die or whatever because she's still gonna get the money if they marry okay I, that's 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 what i read there, plus there's two things that happen in this movie that ultra rich people do one is cool uh-huh. the other one is just frustrating the frustrating thing is constantly drafting wills telling people who gets what and I, I have not reached the point in my life where I feel like there's enough money to go around. <laughs> I'm cutting you out my will. The, this, the, the money is there to put me in the ground, and that's about it. If there's any extra money that's floating around, oh well. You guys don't find out about it. That's all. I always, it, found, I always found that weird, too, you know, that people always argue about life insurance policies. And I'd be like, if I have a life insurance policy, I'm not worried about it because I'm going to be dead. The state uh, gives you a life, uh, the default life insurance policy tied to your uh, account, and it's uh, 2000 bucks, which still is not enough, enough to put to, you in the ground. It's, it gets you, it cremated. It gets, it, gets, cremated. it gets you released at seeing. There's the uh, that Poseidon group or whatever, the, the people of Poseidon or whatever it is. Okay. That they'll just dump you in the sea for a couple hundred bucks. Okay. You could do that. There, there, there might be another name. I don't think it's Poseidon, but you get the Aquaman fans, or something. yeah, <laughs> sure. But, but anyway, uh, the the one thing I did think was cool is like when Bonnie Bedelia is like, "I want this lawyer. Here's a check for twenty five grand. That should cover it." You know, whenever you get into a stickum where something might happen, and yeah. you just write a check, you like. Even nobody writes a check without them going. Mm, let me take a look at your background first, sort of thing. But it's her, you know. She's a well. Uh, she comes from a wealthy family. Not even though they they do talk about that there was some troubles that were happening behind the scenes in this case. Just like anything that's trying to pad out the, a movie, uh, there it's still an, uh, a very impressive thing to just be able to do. Just say, here's twenty five grand. Uh, some, there's something that happens in the other movie where it's very similar, uh, where they're just like, "Here, take it. There, I don't need it anymore." And like, just, that's that's impressive. And this movie was done in 1995, right? 95, 94. It's still it, the movie. Uh, the interest rates haven't moved enough to where it would yeah, be that I, much different. I but, had to retain a lawyer in 2013. Yeah. In my 
my retainer fee was just fifteen hundred dollars. Right. But I still was like, oh boy, you know, I I, I didn't really want to part with that money. Yeah. She's walking there with twenty five thousand. I'm like, oh okay. Yeah, and most lawyers, even the ones that like the pro bono stuff, like they'll they'll get a decent amount like for each one of the cases. Like if you hear any podcast where they talk extensively about that stuff, it's still very lucrative to do it, even though like the caseload or even uh, it, it doesn't feel like if you're a lawyer you would care about it. But if I were to tell you otherwise, like hey, here's four hundred bucks, tell, say that this person's guilty, you're like yes, sir, and then mm-hmm. yeah, just like anybody else would. Uh, they even started that. Uh, that was part of the first season of uh, the Better Call Saul series. That's what he was doing. It was basically just going up uh, to the county jail and just seeing if there was anybody that needed representation sort of thing. Okay. So he just worked for the state that way. Yeah, I, it I, is a way to do it. I really got to start watching this series. Well, there, there was one overlying thing that, that made this a little bit troubling, at least when it came title-wise for this movie, in that you name... The main person that's being uh, uh, charged for all these crimes, Angel. Like this is a this is something that is a uh, effort of the writer, director, anybody else associated with it. You give someone such a a name that is supposed to be counterproductive from what they are in real life mm-hmm. by getting you know you you created that that sort of morality thing right in the name. You give them Angel, but it's not in the title of your movie that you're doing mm-hmm. in in some sort of way. You know, like like a saving an angel or an angel falling from grace or something to like any other way of throwing angel into a title the, that doesn't immediately apply to what you're uh, dealing with. Then you realize, oh, the person being charged is named Angel. That all makes sense. I think the author, who is a, former, uh, a retired judge, and he passed away, so rest in peace, uh... But he was a judge, and have they checked Faruza Balk? <laughs> yeah, and she uh, might have done it. Yeah, did man. he die of seppuku? By the way, <laughs> could have been. Uh, you know, and I think he was trying to go with the reasonable doubt uh, angle because I, I know I'm not giving away the end of the movie, but we it's very. It, oh, okay. Well, well, it's a TV movie, but, whatever. But we don't know if she actually did it or not. We we still don't know. We just think that she might have did so, but it's a reasonable doubt, you know. But that, that's not a bad that's that, that's a bad name for a movie. I, I agree with you. Shadow of Doubt does not go with this one because um, it wasn't no Shadow of Doubt that she probably killed. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of names for this movie. Yeah. And and you came up with a doozy, didn't you? Yes. What is it? Charlie Stone. <laughs> the Adventures of Charlie Sloan. Yes. Is that what you want to call Charlie it? Sloan. This is but Charlie it has Stone. to be. But it has to be like that's the subtitle for it, you know, like how you do Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. What what is what is the subtitle for this? You do Charlie Sloan. What what is the subtitle for it? Charlie Sloan back on the wagon. It's not that. That's not really an over over concern of it. In fact, it doesn't have any falls off the wagon uh, during this movie. <laughs> so it's definitely like uh, like you have to throw Angel in the title in some way. So like like in the same way you have an angels in the outfield or angel eyes or some you know like tempting tempting angel no uh... you have an angel that has fallen from grace is basically what's okay. happened you, and uh, so so either that or saving an angel 
or uh, what? What? Who talked to angels? What was? What was the whole thing that uh, Charlie song? Get touched by an angel. Uh, touch. Uh, <laughs> Save. Uh, you know, is it touched by an angel? Is that what? Is that what we call shows? <laughs> yeah, that was a show. Touched by angel. <laughs> now, now you feel like even today, whenever they do like like, and Jesus friended me. That that whole thing that they that they're pressing way too hard uh-huh. for people to like. It's it, it it feels like you're you you really don't think much about people these days when you have something like that as your title, and maybe we think too much into titles, and that's that's where this is coming from. But really, there should be something else tied to it. But definitely, if you want to put Charlie Sloan as a title, what is the what is the subtitle? Assuming you got to put that in there, assuming you were going to have so many more of these things, you know. You know the case of the of the fallen angel. Is okay. that that's, that works? Yeah. So there you go, Charlie Sloan. And the case of the fallen angel. That's all you had to put for something like this instead of shadow of a doubt. But anyway, now the other one definitely has a trailer too because it's Alfred Hitchcock, and even 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 all uh, some of the smaller films that he did, not or at least not as well known, uh, will have a, a trailer. So let's go ahead and put out the trailer for that one. You're in a terrible rut. Eat and sleep, and that's about all. You don't even have any real conversations. Come your uncle's. Charlie. Charlie. Oh. <laughs> Charles, you're looking great. One of the prettiest girls on the block. Charlie. We're all happy now, Uncle Charlie. Look at us. <laughs> we're sort of like twins, don't you see? Not good to find out too much, Charlie. I'll find it out. Those would be the questionnaire men. I won't see them. When I told him about you, he was really interested. There's a man loose in this country. We're after him. This man we want may be your uncle. I don't believe you. Because if he's the guy, I'm going to catch up with him, Charlie. Remember that. And you're going to keep your mouth shut. How much do you know about your uncle? Where's Charlie? She'll be down for dinner. And we're back, everybody. It only took Herman six seconds to realize that I was not paying attention. (laughs) <laughs> and that his voice needed to ring true for yeah. the audiences to hear. Yes. Any gap would have been fine. I, was, hey, I'm just making sure you always say <laughs> I leave a short gap. So I was like, I'm going to count it out this time. We need time. a David Letterman sized gap between yes. when you see two teeth. <laughs> that's that's the kind of gap uh, that, that needs to be for these things. So Because uh, I'm just horrible at finding these spots. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Shadow of a Doubt was one of the films he started uh, when he made the move over from Britain over to the U.S. He started doing other people's work. It, it isn't it isn't the sweet spot of his movies that he was making, like The Birds or Psycho or uh, Rear Window or any of the other ones that he's really oh, known I'm for. Not yes, uh, well, that's even further down the line. This was one of the more earlier films. Uh, this was in '43, around the time when maybe there wasn't a ton of entertainment out there. So uh, you you needed to press out as much out there, and uh, most of it was probably war wartime related. You know, you wanted to try to convince people to get certain things. But this starred Joseph Cotton. Uh, he is uh, a big name for three films that he's done. This is probably the one uh, he, that everybody says he gave the best performance. But he was also in Citizen Kane and The Third Man. He's been in like three huge films. The other two huge films, he was the other guy that wasn't. You know, Citizen Kane, or wasn't Orson Welles in the Third Man? Like he wasn't playing the Third Man in that sort of thing. Like he's he was the other one that wasn't the main focus or the main title. This is the first time that he got 
that that uh, that that recognition. You know what else he was in that we've seen? He was in the Survivor. He played a priest in that. Remember the Survivor about the guy that crashed the plane? No, and he I was don't. the only Survivor. It was in Australia, and you didn't like that one either. So <laughs> the Survivor, yeah, Australia. We had, yep, sure we did that. We certainly did. <laughs> Did we rename it? No, uh, may have, but but yeah, we we watched two the films Survivor. called Survivor. Yeah, he crashed a plane in Australia. Yeah, yeah it was a uh, unbreakable situation where he was the only survivor of the plane crash, and uh, nobody else was there, like that survived. But all the people that were on there were haunting him, like as as was going on. And then he realized he was really dead. And it was more like a spirit trying to tell people, like, this plane was faulty. Ooh. Nah, Robert. That sounds that sound like something I remember. I, okay. I take it. Okay, Robert. I take your word for it. Uh-huh. Mm. Yes. What's funny is I actually have the, the evidence. You do not. You just have your <laughs> faulty memory. I can pull up the podcast after this and, tell, and show you that, yes, we did have that podcast. So there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Joseph Cotton, he uh, you it, it doesn't even hide the fact that this guy is a bit rotten right at the beginning. You see him in a hotel with just money strewed everywhere because he is he he's not right in the head. He realizes what he has done. He's gotten to this point where people are after him and he's got to find a way out. And he decides the best way to go out is to go back to a small town where his sister and her family is living. Specifically, uh, uh, the people that admire him the most, uh, Santa the, Rosa. The the, the, um, the setup reminded me a lot of the guest, uh, the one with Dan Stevens, okay. where he goes in and completely charms the pants off of everybody, except the uh, daughter, and is a bit skeptic of this entire situation. No, no they're not although really. they went a lot quicker into uh, going the other direction on this with uh, with the guest, but uh, but still, it felt like that to me, where you have somebody who is. Um, who, who's coming in, but it's not like everybody uh, is is wary about him because he's he's so uh, charismatic and lovable that everybody in the town is actually okay with him, sort of thing. It's just that the guest goes off the rails a lot quicker than than what they do for uh, uh, Shadow of a Doubt. But anyway. Yeah, I think he, they was more nice to uh, this guy because when he came to town, not only did he... He came giving gifts to his family and basically infusing the town with money. Yes, I mean when forty thousand dollars in nineteen forty three is a lot of dollars to be putting money into the bank and um he, j- he had it in thousand dollar bills too like he may, he may have even had some tens of thousand dollar bills stuff that you just don't carry around these days. Mm-hmm. It's weird that's a lot of money, but we used to actually allow that as currency, and nobody allows anything over a hundred anymore. No, you remember <laughs> the the president was on a thousand dollar bill no. I think it was Grover, Grover Cleveland. Wilson was on the ten thousand, right? Hmm. I, it might have been Cleveland. I, I, I don't. Maybe he was five hundred. I, I don't remember. It's we could we pull it up. If yeah, we could do that. But he came to town. Coolidge was on one of them too. I think. Really? Hmm. Yeah. He came to town, and everybody just fall in love with him. Now this, I did some um, looking up, and back then the population of uh, Santa Rosa was around fifteen to between eighteen thousand, give or take. And um, I guess you could get to know everybody real quick if, uh, you know, in a small setting like that, even without the, I mean, just without the internet that we have now, the social media and stuff, word of mouth, just pretty spray, pretty, spray pretty fast back then. 
Okay, so here it goes. Uh, what's funny is they don't have it ranked on currency. Madison was on the $5,000 bill. Mm-hmm. Grover Cleveland was on the $1,000 bill. Okay, I was right about Woodrow that. Woodrow Wilson was on the $10,000 bill. He was right about that. And that's as high as it goes on this charts. Uh, they have... Oh, they have a, oh, they have another one. They had a Salmon Chase on a $10,000. Maybe it was 100000 I just wasn't looking. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson was on a $100,000 bill. Good guy. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they did not have the million-dollar bill. So guess what, presidents? Something to strive for. So these bills are still in existence. It's just not everyday currency. These, these it's not meant for circulation. Yeah, that's the point. Like for me, for it, me and you, it's right. not meant for circulation. Yeah, you get. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that could be what you use whenever you get super rich yeah. or, or retain a, uh, an attorney if you need it. That's sort of what thing. Bill Gates and um, Warren Buffett carry around in their wallet. Would they even have any money? Like they, they just walk in and it's them, yeah, right? They wouldn't I, have to worry about anything. I think that I, th- I think they have a system that actually carry the cars with them and be like, yes, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, whatever. The the oldest daughter or his his niece is also named Charlie. Was named after uh, the the youngest brother because they admired like this uh, the sister admired uh, his her, her brother so much that she named her first child. Gender be damned. <laughs> They they waited uh, for the third one to be a kid and uh, like a boy. So why would you wait that long to change it anyway? So anyway, uh, they they named her Charlie and uh, she uh, immediately is suspicious of him because uh, they point out immediately like she's incredibly clever. The other ones, not that they aren't clever, they're just other types of clever or they just don't care. It's a mix they're of that. Kids. They're yeah, kids. they're they're kids. They they do kids things and this sort of thing. Uh, that they're not thinking of anything. What's funny is the dad has a good friend, uh, and they are constantly talking about ways of possibly killing each other and how they could get away with it. And one of the odder things is that one of them was over at uh, his house, ta- like the dad was over at his house for tea, and he said, hey, you know what I did with that tea? I put a little soda in it. That soda could have been poison. <laughs> And I'm like, ah, I'll show you, sort of thing. And and it was it was just one of those things where they they're, they're no- trying to kill each other, but not really actually killing you each other. You got this 1943, no uh, no TVs, huh? This radio. Yeah, well, they didn't even have any traffic lights at this place. They, yeah. uh, it, it was weird to see the number of people that were walking around at nine at night, just like as couples. When where where are you going to go? Like in this town. Like if we were to look there, it's eleven o'clock that we're looking at. I don't hear. I live on a pretty busy intersection. It was Black Friday today, and I don't hear anything out there. No. You hear it is it is a pin drop quiet. It is a Friday night where all the football games are probably over with by now, and we haven't heard a car pass by. Not even a police siren, which no. we sometimes hear every now and then. Right, right. <laughs> it's for all the people that that is like ah, we got to get somewhere quick. There's somebody that's parking weird on the street, and my neighbor keeps complaining about him. <laughs> like he goes through the entire neighborhood to try to find people that are parking weird. Really? No. 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 Of course not. He did put. He does put up barriers whenever it, it, our street floods or or it freezes. Mm-hmm. The mixture of both, like it's possible, both happen. He'll. Uh, we had a barrier on his side where it was uh, basically like half of his uh, lawn was part of the barrier. People were driving their cars to get around the barrier whenever the streets froze. So he put up barriers himself. He put up these metal poles to where people couldn't do it. And he would tell the cops, like, hey, 
If anybody makes it past my barrier, I want you to arrest them because they, they're not supposed to be not driving a, on my lawn. Not write a ticket, but right. arrest them. Okay, we go. Yeah, okay. Well, what else are they supposed to do? They're supposed to save my lawn. <laughs> oh, man. Can't wait till I get to that point where I'm actually worrying about my lawn. Uh, you, you don't. don't. Don't ever get to that point. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn. When you do have home ownership, you do notice things in houses that, like, especially in the movie that we watched, for uh, uh, a family that sort of sounded like they, they were kind of on rough times when it came monetarily-wise, and it was still, like, a very nice two-story house sort of thing, and even when they had guests over, uh, Charlie just moved into her little sister's room, who just had another twin bed there, and and it wasn't like they had a, they had a twin, and she died, and they never showed it. Sort Maybe. Of. It's 1943. Do you think they made the, the younger kids sleep uh, in the same room sort of thing? No, because the boy had his own. My bad. My bad. The boy had his own. I get your point. You don't have to yell it. No. Slam. Slam. No, the boy had his own room. I'm, that house That house was huge. To say that he was. When he worked, when he said he worked at the bank, I thought he was the bank president. Oh, well, you could tell he, he had one of those jobs. Well, for him to be a clerk. Yeah. At, at his age, he has no ambition. Yeah. <laughs> Especially whenever they like Charlie came by to deposit the money, and he's like, "He'll have your job in a couple of years," and he's like, "Whatever's, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my, I'll keep my cushy job." It did look like that the bank was some pot stuff for a town of fifteen thousand people because it even had like one of those bright neon lights at night that said Bank of America. Did you notice that whenever like they would have scenes of Charlie of the Charlies talking to each other? No, I didn't notice that. No, it's one of those things that you look at that. That you realize doesn't exist in life now. So when you and to be fair, most of this might have just been shot on a set somewhere. Like it had no. that, it had a feeling that no, it might no, have, no. Uh, Brett Hitchcock said he liked it, this movie because if he shot this at Santa Rosa and it, he it was a small town. He likes shooting in small towns. But they they still could have had like just background shots. Okay. Could have just been other that. things that they put in there. I get what you're saying. But, yeah, it was a small town. They, they make a point of saying it's a small town uh, where you even see it in the pictures where you see uh, Charlie's graduating class of five, and it's just five women in the shot. So, you know, it's like, okay, we got five out this year. Yeah, so you thing. ask me, that's five too many women graduating from school. They did, and they had one person get off the train. Like, they didn't <laughs> even have a, a airport or anything else coming into that town. But they did have a couple of detectives coming in. And they tell Charlie that they think this might be one of the guys that, that is going around killing women. He, they had their eye on two people. The paper also says they have eyes on two people, but they're not sure which one it is. Mainly because uh, Uncle Charlie does not have uh, any pictures of him older, so he's trying to keep his a- anonymity sort mm-hmm. of thing. And probably this guy as well. Uh, they, but what's funny is uh, everything starts to calm down for a little while because... The other person dies from running into a propeller. They don't show it, but it's one of those things that the uh, that uh, the father and the the friend are talking about each other. Is like, oh, he ran right into a propeller. That's a good way to die. <laughs> like that that's sort of thing. Not a good way to die. That's yeah, a bad way to die. Well, that well, they, you know, as uh, like comparing yeah. notes on the on the ways I, to I kill people. You, I hear you. I, do you think it was just more easy? I was wondering about that, like. Was it more easy to get away with crime back then than it is now? Oh, then you need to be listening to John Mulaney. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's got he's got a bit about that where he talks how people would dress up to go 
go uh, uh, to banks to steal it, and then they would machine gun their names into the the wall <laughs> as they went away. Like it's because there's no other. Ev- he says the only way you got caught is if you stayed there. You know, there isn't anything that would uh, catch you where they say, "Hey, we got a whole bunch of blood." Gross. <laughs> you, Wait, let me go after my hunch. You here. hear about old stories like eighty year old man who who dies, and he, you find out that he was a bank robber and he never ever used a gun. All he did was just walk in the bank, hand a teller a note, and the, give her the money and walk back out. And, he and then he it. became Mister Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Did it for years and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, that, that happens. It, it's called well at the time, and and this is something that, and we we notice this with any movie uh, made around this time. They they had laws that basically said criminals don't get away with anything. Yes, and they are the main focus of uh, whoever's doing this. Like they, it feels like everybody's under uh, a, a magnifying glass while this is going on. Like nobody's incompetent, so it feels like whenever you're watching movies made around that time, that no criminal got away. But when you look at the past and when people talk about history, you realize that every criminal got away. We didn't even establish mass murderers until like people would just crave attention sort of thing. You know, like this mm-hmm. me, 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 I did it, I did it sort of thing because people used to do it all the time. And, we, and definitely this guy would have been considered uh, – Charlie would have been considered a, a mass murderer. He no, killed three women. He would have been so. considered a serial killer. Yeah, or – Serial killer, whatever. Yeah, the difference between a mass murder and a serial killer is 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 the time. Okay. Yes. Whatever. He still had a lot of money from doing it, even though that was one of the motivations. But he also had no uh, appreciation for the human form, and he went into soliloquies where he talked about that, about women just wasting away and wasting their money, oh, the yeah. hard earned money that the guys oh, had. He, oh, now that you talk about it, he does fit the same. He, he thought he was smarter than everybody. He thought yeah. everybody was dumb. He was a narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even when the other guy was supposedly caught, he couldn't help it that uh, his niece didn't think highly of him and still thought that he was uh, a, a, a killer. So they were. he was trying to set up all these accidents for younger Charlie to die. And every time you're like, well, what are you doing, Charlie? You get this guy out of your life sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it definitely is a very complicated relationship. She's the only one that realizes, other than the detectives, that this guy's bad news. Like everybody in the family, like if she – and they didn't have that, which is weird. Usually when you see these kind of films, uh, the, the woman starts going slowly insane – Trying to convince everybody else that this guy's uh, uh, that, that this guy's up to no good, and everybody else is like, "Why this guy? He's such a pillar of the community," sort of thing. You know, like you don't have that going on in this movie. It's straight up. She's trying to find a way to get him caught, and realizes just going around yelling that he's he's bad is not the way to do it. Now, you know, I noticed that about Hitchcock work, like. In this area we living in, like people looking for strong female leads, Hitchcock has always had strong female characters who did not like fall into the stereotype of being you know, damsel in distress all the time. But what was even weirder is that the whole point of doing this was a way of showing that him a bit of respect, even when they thought he was the person that was causing all these crimes. Like when it, when the detectives were involved, they were the detectives agreed that this guy needed to be out of town when this happened. So they were able to catch him somewhere out of town and not ruin the good name that he has in this in this uh, community. It's one of those things that you don't see today. 
when it comes to catching people because nobody even thinks about something like that. But when it comes to public perception, you know that it's, it, it's it's strange the way it's set up. But I but this is what I like about the movie it is is it doesn't play uh, play with the typical stereotypes that you see when it comes to a criminal. the The situation itself is not a whodunit. It's uh, it's trying to uh, psychologically understand the everybody involved and how it would break people. It's very much like trying to tell people in the Matrix that they're in the Matrix. That's how weird or uh, out of out of uh, left field this this whole thing would have been for everybody in that town. They would have never believed it in a million years that he would have caused all these things because of the way he was acting, the way he presented himself and everybody who loved him in the town sort of thing. They had that one woman that was just giving him the, the fuck me eyes the entire time. <laughs> Did you notice that? Like she is, She's just looking him up and down the entire time yeah. like, Jesus... If this wasn't uh, like a, a G-rated film, she would have just jumped on him right then and there. Sort yeah, of thing. even me, Mister. Everything go over my head. I even I noticed. That. I was like, hmm, Rob, you think she was friends with him? Like, yeah. yeah. But yeah. It, it, this is almost right up there with M on a movie that is. It feels so foreign to watch because it's strange how they handle a situation that they're not used to handling. Did you ever see M? You probably no. haven't. Uh, it, it took place. The only Hitchcock movie I've seen. Well, it's not. It's not Hitchcock. Okay. It, it's Fritz Lang. Uh, he. It's basically about a guy that's going around killing kids uh, somewhere between World War One and World War Two, and the cops have no idea how to how to find this guy. So the cops decide to start arresting every uh, underground casino and um, uh, uh, other things because they think that's the only form of criminals that are out there. But the the underground knows better. They're like, the we're not doing this. It's some other thing that uh, that's doing this, not us. So they go out and find the criminal. Mm-hmm. It's not the cops. Like they they realize uh, that the only way that the that this uh, guy's going to stop and the uh, police are going to stop honing in on them trying to get arrested that is if they go out and find the criminal themselves. So uh, it, it's it's very interesting to watch it plus everybody's smoking in that movie. So it's a weird, not hot. Like they're at like they're smoking cigarettes and it causes a weird like you're like, "Man, everybody's smoking." Like even in this film, it was just Charlie who was smoking cigars. Like you didn't see that overabundance of uh of uh, c- cigarette smoke. Not only was he smoking cigars, he was smoking it in the bedroom. And trust me, people... Oh, yeah, who, in young Charlie's bedroom, You too, cannot yeah. smoke in nobody's house now. You can't smoke in your own house. You well, gotta go outside. Now. Well, it's it's not his room. That was the thing. Like yeah. It was like endangering a, a teenager's room sort of thing. But that's what I like about the movie is you have, you have a clear-cut villain and you have a clear-cut uh, a good guy, but it, they're having to deal with something that isn't normal for this neighborhood. It, it, they're trying to work their way around it in a polite fashion, almost. Uh, like, where they realize uh, what they could do if they make a misstep uh, could cause them to not arrest the correct killer. And I find that a lot more interesting than a lot of the whodunits that happen these days. And I also enjoy these speeches that have... Plus, Joseph Cotton does a great job in this movie as playing the villain, especially when you have no real uh, model to base this on. Like, this didn't, this type of person didn't exist at the time, sort of thing. Or at least wasn't covered as much. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. to say they didn't exist. They definitely existed. And I like how he, he thought it out so little. He, he almost had the perfect getaway because he knew... He wasn't really worried about the detective, but he was worried about his niece, Charlie, knowing, knowing what he did and stuff. So he had a perfect idea of, like, throwing her out the train while I was pulling away from the um, yard. Yeah. 
he just fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> It was one of those things, whoops! <laughs> and, and it was like, I'm fine, I'm and then all of a sudden, like, another train runs right over him. I'm willing to call this one Shadow of a Doubt. I think this one definitely falls underneath the range of that, because it's it's that doubt that plays in the back of her mind the entire time of of uh, what what is wrong with uh, him. But, but at the same time, everybody else is going up against the grain on this, so she's not sure what to do. And, and and it's it's neat the way that they had the small town life talk about, you know like deal with uh, the situation. Herman uh, was bothered by the fact that everybody knew everybody's name in that in that small town yeah. to where he looked up the statistics of it to <laughs> to make sure. Now, how does everybody know? They keep calling her Charlie, and she's not even wearing a name tag, yeah. and they know her. Yeah, man. But that's what happens in small towns, man. There there was uh, bring up another comedian. They said that that's why like. Crimes get solved in small towns where they go <laughs> and find a witness. And they said, hey, uh, so you witnessed uh, the robbery of theirs. Yeah. It's like, can you describe him? He's like, yeah, it's Greg. <laughs> <laughs> That's who it is. Just go over to Greg's house see, and arrest him. Well, see, I'm from the city. I'm from a, a city with, like, over 500,000 people. And, like, yeah, you know, you, you, you know probably once out of every three people on the street. Yeah. But, like, no, you um, – you don't know everybody's name. I think I would call this movie No Shadow of the Doubt. <laughs> we're keeping it Shadow of the Doubt. And we're not... <laughs> a Charlie tale. The Charlies in Shadow of a Doubt. No, we're, we're renaming the first one that we did. Uh, if you go out and find it, it, it is on YouTube. It, it's an interesting watch. I wouldn't say it's great. Which it, one? You're talking about the, uh, the first movie. Okay. No, the Hitchcock film you can find on Shudder. Or probably on YouTube. It wouldn't surprise me if it's on there. It was a way for me to use my Shutter subscription. You, you First movie code. I finally watched on there after getting Shutter about a couple months ago. You got a code for Shutter, like people could go to Shutter and put your I name well. in and get <laughs> I got to know. Did, did I tell you about the alert I got? From, my sister formed another account on my my Netflix. Already? Uh, yeah, it's oh, called uh, it's called School, so she could put school stuff on there. But yeah. <laughs> oh man, my niece sent me a picture of. Uh, a, I guess a mama armadillo, a mama possum, yeah. carrying all the um, all the all the children on the back and stuff. Right, and it was like this is the person that everybody that everybody used the Netflix accounts, and she tagged me because they all use my Netflix uh, password. Like you know, that's ridiculous. true. So, anything else you want to talk about at this point? Well, since you brought Black Friday, I did see a movie that was a Thanksgiving classic yesterday. That Hatfield been raving about for the last like four years. The, because of Win Dixie? Is no, because oh. no, I, I found myself. Planes, trains, and automobiles? Is that the one? Nah, nah, I found myself watching The Saints, who was going to the Super Bowl and winning it all this year, beating up on the Falcons last night at Port Royal. And after the game was over, he put on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving? That's the one? Oh. Yeah, I know. I just. I just he watches maybe two movies a year. Don't don't yeah, boom, don't base anything off of his his likes or dislikes. Just leave leave that stuff alone. He could not wait to watch them. It's a bad movie, really bad movie. Yeah, no shit. But yeah, it, it was funny sometimes. Yeah. All right, so don't watch that. We're way past it. <laughs> okay, find find a Christmas killing film or something. You know, like watch the Jack Frost. Is there, turns anyth- out about- is there any Thanksgiving movie film? Yeah, I just mentioned planes, trains, and automobiles. That that's. Takes place during Thanksgiving. There's also Home for the Holidays that that takes place during Thanksgiving. 
Uh, that that's the one with uh, 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 shit. It has Robert Downey Jr. in it. It has oh god, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, the the star of it was who was in Raising Arizona who played the wife in it. Sally. I, no. <laughs> I mean, sure. Long, tall. Is that who you're talking about, Rob? Yeah, no, the girl from Fargo. She's not in Fargo. Uh, she's 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 the 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 wife of I know you talking about Nicholas Cage. Yeah, Kelly Kapowski. Yes, Kelly Kapowski. Jesus Christ, Lisa, not... Jessica Ray. Stop saying this stuff. <laughs> like like you you you're just your your train of thought is really hurting whatever I'm trying to think of. Nor, Nor- Holly Holly Hunter. I was, like, I was about to say Nor- <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what you're about to say. All right, we've said enough. Yeah. For another that can be only one podcast, my name is Robert Rowe. Herman Omega Prime Davis. Yeah, we'll say goodnight, everybody. Oh, we just sit over here. Uh, I'm far enough from you. Yeah. yeah I'm good. All right. How you doing, lady? Did you ever feel I was closer to you? Because we do have to have the distance between this computer, at least. Because no. I got to get closer to this mic. I can't put the mic on top of the keyboard anymore. It looks like Pat was doing this recording. It just have a whole bunch of everywhere, so you wouldn't be able to see anything. And then it would make an incessant noise, so you couldn't hear anything afterwards. So, no, I never felt that. I just thought that might be getting like some cross uh, cross mic action or something. You know, because uh, your voice carries more than my voice carries. Like, okay. Like I. Even though I think I speaks up, I think I I talk out, but people always ask me to repeat what I say because I guess I do talk soft sometimes. Oh, okay. No, it's it's the mic itself that has to be. There is no distance purposely being made at this point. Uh-huh. It's just it's just where I have to be uh, uh, have this thing at, at an angle so I can be able to talk and look at this to make sure everything's running okay. But, hey, Although the computer hasn't been on for a while, so it doesn't have to be. Have anybody ever asked you, like, hey, can you speak up? Because I can't see nobody actually. It happens. Ask. Really, I just can't see it with you because, like, you really project your voice. I was like, like, like you, uh, David, I can't see nobody asking you to repeat something because, you know. <laughs> it is weird that we use microphones when we perform sometimes. There's no real need for it. Yeah, speaking of that, I know we ain't plugging nothing right now, but you got something coming up at the Manship. Ah, yes, yes. We always have something coming up because the Manship is filled with such great things to watch, do. It's like the best thing out there. Manship, have at it. Or whatever. Okay, we can get started. Okay.